Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. Okay, I'm sure you have either seen the trailer for the movie Cocaine Bear or you've actually gone and seen the movie Cocaine Bear. But when I saw the trailer, it got me interested in what the true story had to be behind this movie. Because the moment I saw based on a true story, I needed to know. I have seen the trailers and I figured the movie would tell the story. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I thought so. But it's highly embellished compared to the relevance, which, you know, typically happens when Hollywood's involved. So the story, the true story, starts with Andrew Thornton II, though his friends called him Drew. So we're going to call him Drew because I've decided we're friends. You drew to this conclusion? I did. (laughs) (laughs) We will have a high pun count today. (laughs) Drew served his country in the army, even coming away with a purple heart after sustaining injuries in the Dominican Republic. In the early 70s, he became a narcotics officer in Lexington, Kentucky. In 1976, he even went as far as to obtain his law degree. Before long, though, Drew was caught up in the drug and weapon smuggling rings and joined the dark side, so to speak. In 1981, that dark side caught up with him. He was arrested with quite a few others in Fresno, California. He was indicted and pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to import and distribute about a thousand pounds of marijuana. Wow, that is a ton of marijuana. So after entering his plea, he went on the run. Couldn't find out how long he was on the run for, but he does eventually get arrested in North Carolina and he was sentenced was a $500 fine, six months in prison, and five years probation. And of course, his license to practice law was revoked. That was it for all those drugs and being a fugitive? The legal system is a crazy thing. Anyway, without the ability to practice law, the only thing he knew to fall back on was, was drugs and weapons smuggling. There were many rumors that Drew was fruitful with his smuggling rings. Many said he was a multimillionaire. One Wednesday morning in September of 1985, Drew would meet his demise. An elderly man woke up on September 11th, 1985 to find a dead man in his driveway. Oh, wow. That is one way to start your morning. Well, while that was a shock on its own, the man in the driveway was wearing a parachute, bulletproof vest, night vision goggles, Weapons and about $14 million worth of cocaine, which is about 77 pounds, were strapped to his body. The man did what any sane person would do in this situation. He called the police, who identified the body as Andrew Thornton II, or as we know him, Drew. While it's unclear exactly what happened, authorities drew the conclusion That Drew was driving a small two-engine plane from South America packed with coke. 
At some point, he puts the plane on autopilot and jumps from the plane, falling over 600 miles per hour to his death in the yard of a priorly mentioned Knoxville resident. What about the plane? And if Drew had a parachute, what happened with it? We will cover the plane in a moment, but as far as that, there's two possibilities that come with the parachute. Drew's friends said that he would often play a game of sorts to wait until the very last minute to engage his parachute. Some think he just waited too long and that led to his death. Others think that it was a faulty parachute and it failed to deploy. Now, as for the plane, it crash landed in some mountains in North Carolina. However, not all the drugs were located by the police. I'm not really sure how they knew how much co- co- like cocaine there would be or like should be on the plane to know that there was some missing, but they knew. We do find out later that some of that white powder was definitely missing, and it would end up in the hands or paws of someone or rather something that nobody expected. Is this where the drug fiend bear comes in? It is, but it would be about three months after the crash occurred. A roughly five-foot Five foot and 175 pound black bear would be found dead, surrounded by about 40 packages that had been ripped open, each with traces of cocaine in them. Now, the bear was young, only three or four years old, and not fully grown yet. While investigators do not believe the bear ingested all 75 pounds of the absent cocaine, there was abs- there was basically none remaining where the bear was found, so it went somewhere. The medical examiner who cut the bear open to perform an autopsy of sorts uh, said the bear's stomach was packed to the brim with cocaine. The impromptu animal autopsy made me think of the tiger shark episode. However, they found nothing interesting in the shark's stomach during the autopsy. A stomach full of cocaine on the other end might be quite interesting. It is. And considering the trauma that eventually led to death of the bear, he looked almost asleep on the outside. Kind of peaceful. However, in truth, he had suffered from cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, renal failure, and heart failure. Just to name a few of the failures happening in his body. The cause of death was ruled as acute cocaine intoxication, though it didn't sound very acute to me. Yeah. It was also confirmed, though, that the bear could not have possibly ingested all of the cocaine. Just couldn't. It was likely that some of the cocaine had dissolved in the snow. Some believe that the hunter who found and reported the bear to the Game and Fish employees may have scooped some of it up as a finder's feet before reporting the bear. Do you remember how I said the outside of the bear looked normal despite the trauma it experienced internally from the overdose? Yes. Why is that special in some way? Not really. But because of its pristine exterior, the coroner who performed the exam sent the bear to be stuffed by a taxidermist. It was at that time that our cocaine fiend friend became known as Pablo Escobar. <laughs> the taxidermied bear was sent to bring the party um, at the visitor center in Chattahoochee River National Recreation Center. They should find a better name for that. That's too long. Apparently, he partied too hard there as the place caught fire. So Pablo was moved to Dalton until he went missing and was sold at a pawn shop to none other than country legend Waylon Jennings. Waylon, not aware of the party lifestyle of the bear he brought home, 
lo and behold, the bear ended up in Vegas. I'm starting to think the cocaine bear was no accident. This bear seems to be living it up even in the afterlife. You're telling me. While in Vegas, Pablo lived in the mansion of Ron Thompson, who was basically the party planner for the rich and elite. When Thompson died, Pablo, along with many of Thompson's other worldly possessions, were auctioned off. Zhao bought Pablo and moved him to Reno, where he hung out in a traditional Chinese medicine shop. He hung out again for a while until Zhao passed and his wife got scared one too many times by Pablo. However, Kentucky, eager to have the bear back home, was able to secure Pablo, and he now hangs out in Lexington at the Kentucky Fun Mall. What we do know is back in the 1980s, there was a man named Andrew Thornton, who was a former police officer turned drug smuggler. He was going to put the plane on autopilot, strap cocaine to himself, several weapons, thousands of dollars, and a parachute, and then jump out. Andrew Thornton jumps out, but doesn't make it to the ground alive. The next morning, a man in Knoxville, Tennessee, walked out and found Andrew Thornton dead on his driveway. A few weeks later, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation found a large black bear. The bear was dead. There was a lot of cocaine around the bear. He eventually goes to a taxidermist, is scuffed, is bought by country music singer William Jennings, taken to Las Vegas. Then he eventually makes his way to Kentucky. He's back where it all started. And now he's in the fun mall in Lexington, Kentucky, where anybody can go visit cocaine there. Yeah, that sounds like all the stuff you already said. Doesn't matter. I already said it all, so when I hear it, I'm just hearing it again. Okay, but where did my thing go? Yeah, I don't see it. Did you hear it record? He models now, mostly hats and bags, though. I don't think any of them have cocaine with the glass bags he stumbled on in life. Is that it? What about all the people he supposedly killed? That is all Hollywood for you. Cocaine bear. While an interesting story and quite the catchy name, is far from what happened in real life. It was just a story we've heard many times. Young kid left to his own devices, decided to dabble in drugs until he went too far, and ended his life leaving only the legacy of Pablo Escobar in his wake. But he actually kills no one. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so Hollywood went, Hoy! so that based on a true story is like there was a bear who got in cocaine and... There was a drug smuggler involved, but everything else where he's chasing people, attacking people. No, they found him dead. From that a, doesn't surprise me. If you start looking into, based on a true movie, everything's very loosely based. Yeah. Um, so he was dead when he was found from his, quote, acute cocaine, whatever they said, intoxication, poisoning, intoxication. That's what it was. Acute cocaine intoxication. So, um if you've already seen it, now you know the real story. And if you haven't seen it, you can watch Hollywood's version, but it's very loosely based on the true story of Cocaine Bear. But uh, if you are interested in seeing Pablo Escobar, he's at the Fun Mall in Kentucky having him a little fun. We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers! Cheers.
you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.